Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for but a moment. But yet with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 8. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 1 tells us that a kind word turns away wrath. And in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 9, it says that a brother offended is harder to win over than a strong city. Yes, the cross of Jesus Christ is an offense, for it shows us our sinfulness and need for deliverance. Yet while that offense may rise up against you, as a child of God, it was never meant to lie within you. Because you see, the heart of a true intercessor has a strong and real understanding of the judgment that is coming. Therefore, does he ever seek to save the loss at all costs because of it? They are willing to stand in between a person and that judgment because of their love for them. That is what intercession means. It is the one who stands between Christ being our example and high priest, but us taking on the role of priests and kings in his kingdom to go forth and continue this work in the earth. Therefore, are we to have the same heart that our Lord does? We are to stand in between the undeserving and the judgment that is coming and plead for their turning, their repentance, and for mercy. Not to belittle them, but to seek to lift them out of the pit that they're in. A true intercessor will not hold any hatred or offense, no matter how badly they have been treated, but rather a grieving brokenness for the loss's lack of understanding, just like Jesus did. Remember in Luke chapter 22, verse 34, when Jesus said those remarkable words, even as they crucified him, he uttered, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they are doing. What kindness does our King Roth, I think one of the most beautiful images in scripture is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Roman soldiers came to take him away knowing that he would be scourged, beaten, spit upon, mocked, ridiculed, hung up on a cross and crucified, that he would be brutalized by these very men. Yet whenever Peter struck at them with his sword and cut the ear off of one of them, he reached out his hand and healed him. Maybe more difficult for us to understand is the kindness of our king who would literally wash the feet of the man that he knew was actively betraying him. Because when he washed the disciples' feet, Judas was among them and this was only a few hours before they would come to take him. The deception was in his heart already, the acts being planned and plotted. Yet the one who could do anything with just the mere thought chose to humble himself unto the obedience of the cross and wash the feet of his Judas. So great an example of kindness do we have in our Jesus. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it tells us that God is love. 
Yes, wrath is something that he must do as a just judge. But it is not who he is. He does not delight in it, but rather he delights in mercy. Both from his own hand and from those who represent him, he truly is a God of loving kindness. He desires that we know that and that we reflect this aspect of him to others more than anything else. For it truly is his kindness that leads men to repentance. Now understand this, that when the scripture tells us that God is love, it is referring to a very specific kind of love here. The word in the Greek used in this passage is agape, as opposed to, for example, eros, which is a sexual, sensual, lustful type of love and is actually named after a demon worship among the perverse and self-serving of the day. Instead, the type of love that God is, that agape love, is defined not as something self-pleasing, but as something sacrificial. It is a kind, gentle, selfless love, and it delights in servanthood. We see this word agape come up again in the book of Corinthians, translated in our modern scripture to charity in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when we read of all of the many things that are good in God's eyes, but yet it says that if we do not have charity or the original word there being agape, then we have nothing. Therefore, could we read it in a few different ways, understanding the meaning of the word that was originally placed there? We could say that it says that we can have all of these great and mighty things, but if we do not have a kind, gentle, selfless, sacrificial, and charitable heart, then we truly have nothing. Or as we read it, we could see that it is saying to us that we can have all of these great works that it mentions, but yet not have true love motivating it. Therefore, it will profit us nothing in the end. Or we could read it as this, that we can seem to have everything, but if we don't have God, then we actually have nothing. Because we understand that the word there is agape, which can mean charity, which can mean love, or it can literally mean God, because God is agape. Neither does that kind of love truly ever exist apart from him, so that we have to come to terms with the fact that to lack it is to lack him. Yet to abound in it is to abound in him. To spread it is to spread the seeds of the fruits of his spirit. To live in it is to live in his presence and be a gate to the very kingdom of heaven. So let us read that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 with this new and better understanding. When Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, yet if I do not have agape, charity, love, or God, then I have become but sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It is nothing but noise to us. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not agape, charity, selfless, sacrificial love, or the true fruits or evidences of the Spirit of God, then I am nothing. Because we do understand this, that he tells us in other scriptures that all of that can be counterfeited, but not the fruits of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said that the fruits were the only evidence of what the tree really was. If it produces good fruit, it will be gathered into the master's barn. But if it produces bad fruit, it is good for nothing but to be burned. He says, and though I would bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give even my body to be burned, yet have not agape, it profiteth me nothing kind, selfless, sacrificial, charitable, love, God's character and spirit, then I have nothing. Agape suffers long and is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not flaunt itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemingly, it does not seek for its own, to please itself. It is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rather rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. So now I tell you, abide in faith, hope, and agape. Yes, these three, but the greatest of these is agape, charitable, selfless, sacrificial, kind, gentle, the love of God in us. Remembering that Jesus told us that the only evidence that he will use on the day of judgment to determine whether or not we had his spirit was if we produced the fruits of his spirit. So for that, we read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruits of the spirit is this, first love, then joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against these things, there is no judgment. My friend, the word of God is clear that love covers a multitude of sins, I think that the mistakes that we honestly make from a heart of love, mercy, and compassion, oh, how easily does God forgive them. But even when we do things that seem to be right from a heart that is mean, prideful, arrogant, hard, bitter, or self-righteous, how harshly will he judge it because it misrepresented his kindness. Because the fruits of the Spirit are first His characteristics before they are ours. We are to take on the likeness of Christ so that we remember today that He is kind. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And beside this, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance which is to be slow to anger and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness 
and to brotherly kindness, charity, or agape. For if these things be in you and abound in you, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he himself was once purged of his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure by doing these things, because if you do, you will not fall. And an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye did once know them, that you might be established in this present truth. Peter was reminding them that you do know these things, but I remind you daily that you not forget that your fruitfulness matters on the day of judgment, not the works, though they are a byproduct of it, but the heart, what was behind the works. Did you do it for attention, for vainglory, out of obligation, out of spite or envy, out of pride or arrogance, out of self-righteousness, or did you do it out of a heart of brokenness, out of love, mercy, and compassion? Did you take the blows of being hated, despised, and rejected to stand in between the wicked man and his judgment? Did you preach righteousness out of a heart of love and kindness? Did you endure because you loved your Lord? or because you love the applause of men, or to feel like you were better than them, he will search the heart on the day of judgment. So the scripture tells us that it's better that we judge ourselves now. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Therefore put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on agape, charity, kind, gentle, selfless, sacrificial love. Put on Christ, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns, and in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. My friends, sweet are the fruits of God's Spirit. Yet the enemy, like locusts, from some deep dark pit, comes to steal, kill, and destroy it. It attacks, leaving areas of woundedness, causing bitterness and hardness, making the fruit bad. So I implore you today, come and sit with Jesus, the husbandman, 
of your soul and let him prune and cultivate those wounded parts away before it's too late. Because you see, rottenness in a tree can do so much more damage than just to the tree itself or its fruitfulness. It can actually spread to those around it and pollute the whole vineyard. If the master of it doesn't do something to pluck it out, it can make the whole thing fruitless and useless. Therefore, is it dangerous to the fruitfulness of others? So that even if it breaks the husbandman's heart to do so, yet he must cut that tree down and burn the disease out in order to try to restore the vineyard to the fruitfulness that it had before. So pray today to be cultivated. Allow the master to cut the hard dead branches of past winter seasons away. Grow new shoots of lively gentle tenderness in the light of his countenance. Draw sweetness from the wellsprings that he has so laboriously dug for us. Set your heart on producing fruits of selfless kindness that gives of one's own being to feed the hungry, thirsty soul in need. That as they pass through, they would find a moment's peace in you and rest beneath your shady leaves. Oh, how barren was the land that they inhabited. How weary are they on their way. How dry and hard and cruel the passing of their former days. So prepare yourself to help. To make a little lighter their load. To show them what great blessings one can be to a weary, burdened soul. Give them a glimpse of beauty and kindness to behold of the Master's work shown in you in the garden of the earth. In Micah chapter 6 verse 8 we read this when it says that he saith unto thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 it says, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even we when we were yet dead in sins hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus and in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, But above all these things have fervent agape among yourselves, kind, gentle, selfless, sacrificial, charitable, godlike love. For agape shall cover the multitude of sins. Therefore, use hospitality one toward another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, who is agape. 
this message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.